Five Things First Thing with JR Mornings Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson, and Jamie Edmonds. Jamie's got the day off. We have leapt right back into winter, but we're yes. going to be leaping into something like summer by Monday and some pretty good temperatures for the weekend. So we got a good looking weekend ahead as we knock on the door to that. Well, Michigan weather for you. I'm Isn't it you. lovely? Uh, <laughs> it, it truly is the gift that keeps on giving if you don't like, uh, you know, consistency. In, there are stories that you say are important, and there are stories that say just just get your your head wants to explode. We've got a situation out in Warren where we reported back in mid-January where a snowplow driver plowed over an older lady as she was going to get her hair done in a parking lot. Now, it's a parking lot. Yeah. Pedestrians are everywhere. Right. And at the time, we said, "How? what, what was going on there? Well, it turns out he was crap-faced. He's This guy's name is Jason Walkley. He's charged with operating a motor vehicle while intoxicated. Operating it with a suspended license causing death. That's a 15-year felony. See, that's the, that's the, that's the this, piss deputy. He had no <clears throat> business being behind. And let's face it, there are a few vehicles that can be as devastating as a snowplow. Snowplow, yeah. You know, motor vehicles are to some degree designed with what's called pedestrian protection. Sure. Okay? That if you hit a pedestrian, there are some things that will at least mitigate the damage to the, the human that you hit. Not so with a snowplow. It's a big old blade. And this lady never had a chance. Um, his bond is set at $25,000. Yeah. Now, Which if this... 2500 is If cash he has repeatedly 10%. shown that he can't keep himself from getting behind the wheel drunk out of his mind, then perhaps... He shouldn't have bond at all. No, I agree. Um, but this is just, I mean, this guy is now being charged also as a habitual fourth offender, which begs the question, well, what about the three other strikes? <laughs> exactly. And why was he out at all? And if, you know, and meanwhile, this uh, poor lady's family is is mourning her loss, but um, we didn't know all of the particulars until the prosecutor rolled them out. But uh, uh, So he has to wear a GPS tether. If he gets out. If he gets out with yeah. the alcohol monitoring. So we can actually see him behind the wheel of the plow the next time. Exactly. And know he's drunk. Yeah. Um, Pete Lucido is good and whipped up about it, and I'm sure he will uh, prosecute him to the fullest extent. But it's, it's just an infuriating case. And then we've got this couple in Detroit that didn't keep their three dogs locked up, causing the death of a man who was doing nothing but getting off of a bus after a work interview. Yeah, uh, he was buying clothes. He was coming from the mall because he was buying clothes because he had a work interview the next day. Now, the owners of three dogs involved in that fatal mauling in Detroit earlier this year, they faced charges. 40-year-old uh, year old Roy Eric Goodman and 38-year-old Trevina Goodman are accused of dangerous animal-causing death following that January 29th attack on Harold Phillips, who tragically passed on February 2nd. It uh, happened, as I said, as Phillips was walking home from a bus stop from West Chicago in Longacre. He was coming from the mall. He had an interview the next day. He was going out to the mall to buy clothes for that interview. The unleashed dogs, they broke through this unsecured gate leading to the vicious attack, and he sustained several uh, injuries. He lost his arm, um, and he was in the hospital on a life support and um, he succumbed to his wounds. And the owners of the dog guy, their dog has bitten before. Exactly. A child, it's, as a matter of fact. So we've got two stories, totally unrelated, but, but hit you upside the head yes. with how did the system fail these poor people? Wow. Um, the system is designed to protect us from those 
that are either uh, too negligent or too indifferent to their neighbors' health, safety, and welfare. To do just the basics. Not getting behind the wheel of a snowplow right. out of your mind. And locking your dogs up that you know are vicious. Ex- ex- exactly. So Those um, dogs were euthanized, as a matter of fact. The animal control uh, took over those dogs, and they were all euthanized. Can you see me biting my tongue? I see you biting your tongue. <laughs> I see you biting your tongue. I do. <laughs> I just... I, uh, um <laughs> We had a big, uh, a lot of late breaking news involving uh, Donald Trump. Illinois has kicked him off the ballot, but they have stayed the ruling, uh, giving the former president a chance to appeal. But that's a March 19th primary, so uh, he doesn't have a lot of time to respond. Mm-hmm. Meantime, we're still awaiting the Supreme Court's decision and whether or not the 14th Amendment can be used in that way. And we expect a decision pretty much any time now. Meantime, the Supreme Court took up the case of Trump's very broad Immunity, immunity plan, yeah. which basically says you can do anything you want, never be charged, whether you're in office or whether you're yeah. a former president. And and he raises some important issues about how the weaponizing of the justice system could be used to harass former presidents. However, um, it will be taken up by the Supreme Court. He he has what could only be termed at least a partial victory because of the way the court calendar is flowing here. They've set the date for hearings on April 22nd. The judge in the case has promised him at least 90 days of pretrial prep, mm-hmm. which takes us into September or October. Mm-hmm. Now, the DOJ has a longstanding policy slash tradition of not taking up consequential trials close to an election. Yeah. So now have they bumped up against that? Will this be pushed after the election? And there has been a lot of, I think, very thoughtful editorializing about this, saying democracy demands a decision by the Supreme Court. Because if you want to have an informed electorate before a highly consequential presidential election, they need all the facts in these cases, specifically the the Mar-a-Lago case with the classified documents and whether or not the president uh, interfered with an election and whether or not he was a participant in a conspiracy with the false electors and everything else to overthrow an election. So, uh, well, a lot of pundits feel that, you know, the uh, Supreme Court will um, uphold the appeals on this and that Donald Trump did basically what he wanted to do, which was to stall. And Annie McCarthy, who is certainly a very conservative, very smart guy that we hear a lot from Fox, has written about this in the National Review saying, look, this this is the most this is the dumbest argument ever, this immunity argument. And he says, make no mistake, this don't even get caught up in whether or not the Supreme Court rules on the facts in this case. The fact is, this is a delay tactic. That's all it ever was anyway, when you look at the ridiculousness of this very broad immunity claim that that, uh, Trump has made. And uh, and then at the same time yesterday, uh, the president came out. And you remember originally after the judgment came down in the civil fraud trial in New York, uh, Letitia James, who this is, is in my opinion, a highly Mm -hmm. political, highly partisan uh, prosecution. Um, You know, you you owe $455 million. Right. Uh, Trump kind of swept his eye. Well, I've got that money. That's not a big deal. Well, it's a big deal. Yesterday, his attorney said he doesn't have it. He's seeking to have it knocked down to $100 million. The judge rejected Trump's claim, saying that he wanted to delay putting up the escrow for the, you know, he has to put up a bond, bond yeah. to get an appeal. They struck that down. But they did something very interesting. They've opened the door to him getting loans from New York banks. That See, that was the year, issue. Right. Yeah, that three-year moratorium that they had on right. that. Um, the judge stayed that. 
So it opens the door. The question is now, when you look at Trump as a credit risk, mm. does it really matter? Are those banks going to be beating down his door to cover his bets here? Not just because of the $455 million verdict. He's got an $88 million verdict with Eugene Carroll. Carroll. Yeah. So he has, and uh, we're going to be talking with all of this with Matthew Schneider coming up at 649 because there's a very real possibility that you're going to see Donald Trump have to liquidate some of his most prized assets. Oh, and you know assets. He yeah, and, you know, uh, this, and you know what doesn't kill him makes him stronger. Uh, but this financially, this is a financial existential threat to him mm-hmm. uh, because, as it turns out, he doesn't have that kind of liquidity. Uh, I don't know too many billionaires that do. They keep their money working for them, yeah, right? That's how it. That's how they keep. So we'll see what happens there. Also, uh, a devastating report yesterday. This is the Independent report looking at the uh, board of trustees at Michigan State University. Coming to the conclusion that Board of Trustee Chair Rima Vassar, Trustee Darius Dino, violated the university's policies and code of ethics and should be referred to Governor Gretchen Whitmer for expulsion from the Board of Trustees. Um, this was all after Brianna Scott, a former, uh, another trustee, brought allegations against Vassar, saying she was using way over-the-top mm-hmm. in- intimidation tactics. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to substantiate many, but not all of those allegations in this outside uh, investigation. But, um, boy, it puts the ball right back in the governor's court. It does. She should do what they are recommending her to do. What Rima Vassar did, and when you look at the venomous... Uh, oh, looking at some of those... toxic meetings. environment on that board. Oh, my goodness. Something's got to give. And if this group says... Objectively, and the crazy thing is, what's going on with the folks coming in saying this is racially motivated? Brianna Scott is an African American who says, "Who is the injured party here?" Exactly. So uh, we'll see what happens there, but it's um, devastating. And they did have some uh, criticism for Brianna Scott too, saying she violated the code of conduct by sharing privileged information with the media uh, when she brought some of these allegations forward. But uh, we'll. We'll wait for that other shoot Shoot to drop. drop. Yeah, when we come back, Hunter Biden going up before the uh, House Oversight Committee, uh, surprising a lot of us by not invoking the Fifth Amendment once. What does that mean, and where does it go from here? Were there any smoking guns? Were there any knockout punches? Ryan Schmelz, Fox News Radio correspondent, next on JR Morning.